Traditionally quality companies, you know, how are they faring in this current financial climate? What do we need to look out for? And I'll throw another question in there, you know, do the rules of yesterday still apply to the rules of today with high inflation? So maybe you could use some real examples of some what a quality company is that you would say or hold yourself in the portfolio that you manage. So I'll just leave you with that fodder, like the current climate, inflation, are we using the same rules to value or look at a quality company today than yesterday? I think the rules for investing in quality businesses are immutable. They're not going to change. And if you'll indulge me for a minute, there's two ways to approach the stock market. One is to treat the stock market uh, like a venue where you can bet on the ups and downs, much as you would bet on black or red at a roulette wheel at a casino. That's gambling. Mm. Right? That's speculating. Um, the alternative is to treat the stock market as a venue where you can buy into businesses. And you know, the, well, recently we just had the Australian Financial Review's rich 200 released. And if you have a look at what all of those people do, they run businesses. Nowhere is there someone who is in the rich 200 who said, uh, I had a job and I saved my money uh, and put it in the bank. Uh, they ran businesses. And so wealth creation works best uh, through in the capitalist model that we work in, uh, works best through um, the accumulation of wealth through businesses. And businesses accumulate wealth by generating a profit on their equity, the higher the rate of return, obviously, the more attractive it is. You want a bank account that's earning a 50% interest rate, not a bank account earning a 1% interest rate. It's the same with a business. Mm. You want a business with equity earning a 20 or 30% return on its equity rather than 1% or 2%. Um, and then you want a business that can do that. Uh, they tend to have a competitive advantage to be able to sustain that because obviously if a business is generating a 30% return, guess what? other people want to start that business as well. And the first thing that they'll do is uh, invent the same product or create the same product and charge a lower price for it. They'll mm. undercut your margin and then your return on equity comes down. So if you can find a business that's been doing 20 or 30% return on equity for decades, guess what? It means that competitors haven't been able to undercut that business. They haven't been able to cut their lunch. They haven't been able to uh, compete away some competitive advantage that that business has. Do you have any uh, business names top of oh, mind sure. that might be like that right now? Would CSL be one of them? <laughs> CSL is definitely yeah. one. Cochlear is another. Um, we think ProMedicus uh, is another. Um, ResMed, uh, ARB, uh, which sells bull bars of all things. Um, Reese Plumbing, um, they've been able to sustain very high rates of return on equity for decades with very little debt. They haven't had debt to boost it. And then what you want to do is, you, 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 remembering that we're talking about what the stock market is, it's a venue where you can buy into those businesses that create wealth and the wealth creation process is finding a business that can generate those high rates of return on equity, but then get this, retain a large portion of those profits and reinvest it at a high rate of return. And here's something controversial. Why would I want to get a dividend from a business that generates a 20 or 30% return on its money? Right? I don't want them to pay it to me. What am I going to do? I'm going to put in a term deposit and get 4%. I'd rather they keep the money and get another 20 or 30%. So provided they can continue to generate those high rates of return and they've got an opportunity to employ that profit at a, at a high rate of return again, they should keep the money. So the stock market is a venue where you can buy businesses and you can buy some outstanding businesses. And between you and me, I think 
it's a lot simpler than owning property mm. um, because property is a very hands-on business. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a it, I, th- I call it a grubby business. You know, you have to, you, your tenants are going to ring up, they're going to want a new stove. They, you know, the, the power's gone, the water's leaking, whatever it is, you know, it, it, it tends to be a lot more hands-on, a lot more capital intensive or labour intensive than, um, uh, than owning shares. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So in a high inflation environment, what tends to happen, of course, is there's a response to that high inflation from the regulators or from central banks. Central banks are given a mandate. Um, uh, often it used to be one mandate, and that was to keep inflation between 2 and 3% um, or keep it down. There's a reason for that, and I'll tell you that in a minute. And the second mandate um, is to maintain full employment. So there's a you know a dual purpose to particularly the Reserve Bank and the US Federal Reserve, and that's what they have to do. Now, their response... Uh, to high inflation is to bring it down by raising interest rates. Why do we want to bring inflation down? Because the value of the things that you can buy declines when inflation is high. So if you're on, if your wages, for example, are rising at two or three percent a year, but inflation's ten percent a year, at the end of the year you can't afford to buy as much as you could at the beginning of the year. So your standard of living has declined. And to maintain a, a standard of an acceptable standard of living, it's incumbent on central banks to keep inflation below, um, let's say they've decided two or three uh, percent. And at the moment, when it's above that, rates have to go up to bring people's expectations of future inflation down. And the way that they do that is by hurting people with higher interest rates to get them to stop spending as much. Mm. Now, it's not easy. It's a blunt instrument, and to every man with a hammer, the problem is a nail. So you know you, you believe that you can fix it with interest rates if the only thing, the only tool you've got is moving interest rates, and so central banks can only move interest rates. That's what they're trying to do, and is as, as I said, it's a blunt instrument. So you get situations, for example, where people are pulling their heads in, and they're not spending as much, but companies are still charging a lot for their product. Um, to maintain margins. And we've seen a lot of companies uh, just in the recent reporting season uh, come out and report record profit margins, their gross margin, the difference between the price they sell their product for and what they buy that product for is at a record. It's even higher than it was before COVID. Um, and that's because they're just charging more. So they're having a bit of a lend, um, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a profit grab uh, and, um, and they're gouging. Some businesses are actually gouging. And I know, for example, one business, I won't name it because I'm going to speak um, unfavorably about it, but I, I know a business that sells a food product and its core ingredient in that food product has gone from about $6 a kilo to about $1.70 a kilo, and yet the price they sell that product for, they've increased it from $22 a kilo to $25 a kilo. 
So even though the input has gone from six to one or one dollar seventy, the price they're selling it for has been increased substantially, and that sort of thing's been happening a lot. Now, in terms of quality businesses and what's happened to quality businesses in that environment, I tend to believe, and and I'm sure it's true for many uh, value and quality investors that a quality business is a business that's going to be larger in the future than it is today. It's going to be able to grow its profits. So they tend to be seen as growth companies as well. And in a rising interest rate environment, the growth stocks, growth companies, have been hit the hardest. So it's actually the case that the highest quality businesses have been hit the hardest, fallen the most, and are therefore the best value at the moment. But we're just going to have to wait, and I don't know when it will be uh, that the appetite for investing in those companies comes back. But when it does, it tends to come back fast. You tend not to be able to anticipate it. Before you know it, these stocks have run up very, very hard. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 